Racer X podcast. Brought to you by the world's number one source of motocross and supercross news and entertainment. RacerXOnline.com. Jason Wygant here, your host, David Pingree. This is the Racer X podcast with your hosts, Jason Wygant and David Pingree. Well, welcome to the show. And I know, I know we promised you folks the Race Rex podcast would not be a show about bench racing. It would be a show about educational topics where you could learn more about your favorite sport. But we lied. But how can we not bench race after the first Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross round of the tour at Hangtown? So we're going to bring in Ping on the line and we're going to talk Hangtown today. And we'll also call up Ryan Villapoto, who was there to get his take on the afternoon. I mean, Ping, what else should we be talking about? It's the week after the first round. There's lots of questions. Now nobody wants to talk about anything else. This is uh, this is what everyone's been waiting for after a very long Supercross season, and uh, I think the the racing in Hangtown didn't disappoint. You know, people were um, surprised with some of the rides, uh, good and bad. You know, there was riders we expected to be up front who just weren't, and kids we'd really never heard much of winning. So uh, definitely lots to talk about, and and leaving people wanting more, uh, waiting leading up to Freestone. Now, going in, I think the smart money everyone had on was, say, Dungey on a 450 and one of Mitch Payton's monster pro circuit Kawasaki's in the 250 class, and Mitch's team almost won, but Dungey wasn't even that close to the front. So I'd say it was a bit of an upset in a way. I know it's hard to say Chad Reed winning a race is an upset, but Reed was a bit of a mystery coming in, but he sure looked fired up to me. No, you know, and I heard, uh, like, Emig saying before the race, oh, it's going to be really hard to stop a guy like Dungey with all this momentum, and... That, that probably was the logical thing to say, but um, it just didn't prove to be right there. You know, Reed, um, I, I think, I, I haven't seen him ride that well all year. Right. I don't know if he's just more motivated to start a new series or if um, all of the things that have gone on in his life in the last six or eight months have given him sort of a different perspective or something. But, man, he came, came out and just laid wood. Yeah, you could really see, to me, from that first moto, um, I, even last year when he won the title, some of the races were shaky. I mean, he did win the championship, but it was tough. Uh, to me, he looked better than he already did last year, and last year he proved himself by winning the championship. He looked stronger, and I thought he might go backwards this year. No, and I, I totally agree. I, I said after Supercross, I said, Reed's, Reed's never looked as good on that Cowie as he did on the Suzuki. Right. But, um, you know, we used Reed as an example kind of in talking to Ben, like, look, I know you're not going to be 100% for Hangtown, but look at Reed last year. He started with some six and some eights, and he certainly wasn't killing it. You know, he was, right. and then he kind of moved up and he get some podiums, and he kind of got better as it went on, but he was never the dominant guy. He kind of, um, through attrition and grit, got it done. Right. So we've used his, him as an example from last year, but... Um, I'll tell you, if, if he keeps it up like he was riding there, he's going to be tough to beat for this title. Yeah. Now, um, some other surprises. Uh, we could probably go on for an entire podcast about Michael Essie and the 350 situation. Um, but he says that he answered a lot of the questions by, uh, by winning that second moto and getting the whole shot. Definitely took care of that business. It can get starts. Yeah, and, and that was definitely an issue, you know. I mean, and that, that short... Now, now... To be fair, that mm-hmm. was a very short start. Yep. Um, I think you get to tracks that are longer, deeper, uphill. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still maybe a little bit of a skeptic. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how you can take 100 cc's out of an engine, not decrease the weight by much of anything, and still expect to um, have the same performance. I, I think that's 
that's tough for me to understand. Although I know KTM does build a fast motorcycle. Uh, to me, I wasn't really surprised by where Alessi was. Uh, I, you know, he, he's a title favorite going into this series for sure. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by what happened at the, the post-race press conference, but the stuff that comes out of his mouth is just... <laughs> I, I just don't understand. Like, you know, he, he said... Uh, you know, he, he went on a rant. If you haven't watched the Racer X uh, post-show, yeah. you got to yeah. sit down and watch it because he's going on and on about, oh, man, I, that was easy. I destroyed him out there in the second moto. You know, I wasn't even sweating. I could do I could do a third moto right now. I'm ready. Yes. 8% body fat. I mean, he was just, like, on his on a roll, like Muhammad Ali. Yes. I forgot the 8% body fat from last year. I forgot. He's got a nice hit, greatest hits list. <laughs> um, if someone could put together all that audio, it, it'd be worth reproducing and selling that's right so yes he um did a great job on the track but just talk about how this motivates other riders i'd say if you're the alessis one of the best things that could happen to you this year is for chad reed to not be into it anymore for chad reed to you know i'm done i'm retired i got money i got a son i just lost one of my best friends but they're adding fuel to the fire of their competition by saying i demolished everybody and i wish there was a third moto today yeah, you don't say that. You just you don't want to get. Why why would you want to give a guy like that motivation? Right. Because he he sees you in front of him, man. I don't care how tired he is or over it. He is going to dig in like a tick and come after you. <laughs> so, you know, he, his helmet. Come fill my helmet. My helmet's right here. It's dry. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? It was a train wreck. You know, you just cars are piling up and you just couldn't help but watch. Yes. And, I don't know. And for those that weren't, uh, didn't didn't see it all on the internet show, because um, they didn't put all the clips in there, when Reed came up next in the press conference to accept, you know, to do his interview for winning, the first thing he says is, wait, I did win, right? Because the guy that was up here before said he demolished everybody. So I, I, am I actually the winner? So, well, and I didn't see this, but someone said that Alessi actually ran his bike up onto the podium after the race, and he did a parade lap. He did a parade lap, and he rode it up onto the podium. And he was way more thrilled winning the moto than Reed was when Reed got third to win the overall. Um, I guess he thought he had won the overall. That's all I can gather. I can't believe that he would go on a parade lap winning the second moto only. And yeah, that's so nasty. Has anyone ever done a parade lap for getting second or third or whatever he got <laughs> yes. overall? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Yeah, he went straight. I can tell you, we had to take a commercial break on TV to wait for him to get to the podium because he did a parade lap. So that was true. And then when he did the prey lap, he rode straight to the podium when he got back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, anyway. My goal actually was to have Mike on this show this week. And uh, I talked to Tony, and they said, uh, or Tony said, we're going to hold off on interviews for a little while. Because he's like, we because, don't really know. Because you have to talk to Tony. You, it, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, let's clarify this here. Yes. Because you can't just call Michael Lessie like you can with most riders. No. I know Stewart's got a lot of handlers, too, and he can be tough to get to, but most of the riders, they'll give media their phone number, and if you want to contact them, you can just contact them, you know, right. at reasonable hours or whatever. But with Mike, you have to go through Tony. He does a pre-interview screening process. <laughs> well, what are you going to talk about? Why yeah. are you talking about that? I mean, what's you, now, no mention of this, right, or what's going on here. I mean, he, he really makes sure he has control of the situation. So, yes. And then carry on. I think the only control they can have at this point is let's just not say anything because as proven after Hangtown, as soon as Mike says something, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. They so. ought to just buy a couple rolls of duct tape, zip <laughs> his mouth shut, <laughs> and just right. tell him to go thumbs up or thumbs down on questions. <laughs> yes or no questions. 
Because if he gets on the podium again in Texas, uh, or even this weekend at Glen Helen, he'll probably be in a press conference again. So they can't avoid it forever. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to actually, I don't want to disrespect Tony for saying that because I have to admit, on the same token, we're making fun of what Mike said after the race, and then he's saying, you know what, I think we should hold off on interviews. Maybe that is the best thing for them to do at this juncture. Um, his Tony's theory is, it was the first race. We can't guarantee that you know we're back or we're ready or we're going to win again. We don't know yet, so we'd rather not say anything. And from their perspective, that might be the smartest <laughs> smartest thing they can do. Um, let's talk about some other guys in that uh, 450 class. Uh, there were definitely some surprises. I'd say the guys you expected or could almost guarantee to run up front had trouble, and some of the guys who were on the bubble had good days. Um, we could even start with your guy, Ben Townley. Um, I know you had seen him ride and know he was riding well, but I don't think it was a guarantee that he was going to go up there and run the pace of the leaders, and he did. It was very impressive from my perspective. Well, and I think his result doesn't even show. If you were there and watched and saw, um, you, you can appreciate it, but he he was a solid fifth in Moto1. Yep. Um, and, and I'll tell you, he was a basket of nerves going to the start line. Like, he was sure. really, really nervous. He hadn't raced in a long time. He's, you know, he's had all these injuries, and everyone's I think he felt like everybody was watching, going, oh, what's he going to do? He, he's going to, you know, will he crash or what's he going to do, you know? And um, so just getting one moto off his plate, I think, really helped him. Mm-hmm. But he was fifth, solid the whole moto long, stalled it in a corner with uh, maybe four laps to go. And, and he was, uh, Grant and Alessi, so Grant and Alessi were in front. I mean, he was, they didn't yard him, you know what I mean? When he stalled, he was still, you know, what, a second or two back from... From those guys? Yeah, he was he was right there in that pack of yeah. uh, what was it, Grant, Alessi, and um, Millsaps. Millsaps, exactly. And right. then the second moto was even better for him. I think he was just feeling a little more relaxed. Um, and he he came from fourth, got into second, was actually closing on Alessi. Although Alessi did say he was just cruising. Yes. You know, after he got a big lead. Yes. He didn't need to go that fast anymore. Right. But uh, anyway, uh, he was looking like. Uh, second place was a sure bet, and then he just admittedly said he got he got tired and made a little mental mistake and tipped it over in a turn. So I, I think once his uh, fitness comes around, I, I told him kind of give it to a high point. You know, don't don't set your expectations too high till then. Let's just work on getting your fitness right. Let's get this bike dialed in. There were still some comfort issues with him. We've already done some stuff this week to get his uh, just sort of the cockpit of the bike a little more comfortable for him, and he's we've made big improvements just this week. So. By high point, uh, if you don't believe in Ben Talley, you're going to start. Um, and then Brett Metcalf was was awesome too. Um, you know that was a bit of a mystery. He had never raced a 450 ever before, not even back in Australia. So he was he was darn close as well. And it was basically to me the same Brett Metcalf we saw in a 250 on a 450, which is that's not a bad thing. No, he you know he got a just decent starts kind of plugged away made some progress moving forward and and uh didn't get tired looked solid i was you know not like i doubt his skills but i, I was surprised I, I don't know he was running with the best 450 guys in the world so yeah i think that was a great ride for him and if he if he keeps that up uh, he he might find himself with a job again next year for sure that's right uh one other guy i know you wanted to talk about was uh was ryan sipes who who rode well in both motos yeah, I just, you know, when you and I talked about maybe surprise guys, to me, he was, he rode great. Both mm-hmm. motos, he was solid. And, I, and, you know, Ryan's shown a ton of speed over the years. I think he's he's just gotten a little too big for the lights bike. 
So mm-hmm. I was excited to see him come on to the 450, and I think I even said something to Racerhead like, you know, watch this guy if he, you know, can keep healthy and blah, 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 he'll be good. And sure enough, uh, he was he was awesome. He ran up front all day. You know, there was a couple of other uh, people who were kind of surprised me, but for the wrong reasons. Obviously, yes. we talked about Dungy. Yep. A guy who was expected to win and really couldn't do anything. Everyone kept saying the track was hard to pass. Couple that with the two bad starts he got, and I think he had a fall in Moto One. Is that right? He stalled it, I believe, at the beginning of the second lap, and that's what really set him back. But I mean, it was probably he was probably twenty at that point, so that hurt. So rough day. But you know, you, you look at at Chad Reed. He got a bad start that second moto, and he made it all the way to third. Yes. So there, yeah, it was tough to pass, but uh, you have to think that maybe uh, Ryan was off a little bit. And the other guy was Andrew Short. You know, he's Mister Solid, Steady, third and fourth, and he just couldn't get up there. Yeah, he uh, he crashed in the first moto two and ended up fifteenth. So he went fifteen five. So let me ask you about this not being able to move up thing because a bunch of riders said it. Josh Grant couldn't move up in the second moto. Dungey couldn't move up in either moto. Uh, Porcel got stuck back there in the second moto. The riders were saying the track was tough to pass. From your perspective, what your guys told you, how bad was it? Well, they did. They they kept that track so busy um, that it just created sort of a one line effect. Um, and then on top of that, you had some really narrow spots in. You know, there was they're supposed to keep a 20 feet of track, and some of the tracks are trying to go to 30 feet wide now everywhere. They certainly did not adhere to the 20 feet rule in some spots, and it's been that way for as long as I can remember. You know, I raced there for the first time in 1994, mm-hmm. and the, the thing that I remember is that it's narrow, it, and back then it was hard as a rock. They've done a great job of bringing in um, some other material and making the dirt better, uh, but. Boy, the, the, the layout's the same, just real narrow, kind of windy. So you, you can't ever be... The guys kept saying there's a flow to it, super rough, choppy, and tight, and everything. They, they added two new chicanes in, which chicanes always are just in, inside you. you know, right. You'll never have passing in a chicane. I don't know why they insist on putting me in. I, I think there was some reason to it. Yeah, they had their reasons. They wanted to bring the, the riders back towards the start area, the big spectator area there, but... Um, there was just some things about that track that could have been better for sure, and they overwatered it. Every guy was complaining about that. Way too much water in between motos. Uh, I know the MX Sports crew was screaming all day at the, the Dirt Diggers guys who were doing their best. And yeah, that the, was obvious. the first 450 moto, which was the, really the first moto of the day, 450s race first, that was crazy slippery. The first probably four or five laps looked like, except for Reed, everyone else looked like they were just tiptoeing. Oh, man, it was so slimy out there. I mean, there, it was literally the, like the, the guys with the hoses were trying to make mud. <laughs> uh, you just kind of, you know, you wonder what the heck they were thinking. But Now, here's the good thing about all this, though. Uh, it means that uh, it was the first round. We learned something, but it means that things really could change. The track did have an impact. If you're Dungey and you're starting 20th in the first moto, at that track, maybe you can't come through. So maybe we don't get to see everything everyone has. I don't think we can guarantee it's going to be a bad year for Dungey just because of this one race. So that's that's almost what you want, a little mystery there. No, yeah, I, I think there, don't, you don't want to read too much into these results. Dungey's going to win some races. I mean, the guy's, the guy's really fast. He's uh, on a great team and everything else. But that was definitely not the opening round he was looking for. No. Uh, let's go to the, um, the 250 class. Now, here's what – how big of a shock – is the Eli Tomac win. Now, the record book says that I don't believe anyone has ever won their first pro race straight out like that. Stewart won his first national, but he'd already raced Supercross for several months, for example. Uh, so, but the record book, it's a huge accomplishment. 
Is it a shocker from the test tracks and the industry, the people at Honda you've talked to? Did, was this expected to him to do this well? You know, the, the reaction is kind of like, uh, kind of like a surprise, but then, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, it's not that big a surprise either. Wow. The kid, if you've, if you've grown up watching him at all, mm-hmm. you know that he's got a ton of talent. He's, his fitness is great. He's got, obviously, um, the genetics to <laughs> succeed <laughs> yes. at any type of athletics. Uh-huh. Um, so he, all the pieces were there. I don't know. For some reason, it, it, yeah, it's a surprise, but it's not really that big a surprise. I mean, I've seen him out testing, and he's hauling butt. So you, you knew he had the speed to do it, and he isn't like a Barsha where, you know, Barsha last year was pretty erratic. He had a couple big get-offs. I don't think you're going to see that from Eli. He doesn't. He's not quite as spazzy, you mm-hmm. know, for a young kid. He's pretty controlled and seems like he thinks things out a little bit more. But man, in that second moto, he was just her first moto. I'm sorry, rather when he was hounding pers- or a Searle. Yeah, I've never seen someone just dig in so hard. He was not taking no for an answer. He was going to pass that guy, and uh, it was really fun to watch. So. I guess the question is, can he do that for 11 more rounds, right, just like that? Because if he can, uh, Purcell better set down the baguette and get busy. <laughs> now, Purcell, he definitely meant business in the first moto. I mean, he took the lead away from Kennard and Searle within, like, the first half a lap, and he thought that was it. But then he fell, and then that second moto deal, again, same thing. I was just waiting, waiting for the charge, and it never came. Is that just a track thing, you think? You know, funny, I talked to Mitch about this a little bit, and... Uh, we were talking about how his guy did, you know, and I don't think Mitch was super happy, but he said, you know, Purcell's just, he's one of those guys that's so confident in his ability to come through the pack or, uh, you know, get a win. Yeah. Um, that he can he can sit back if he doesn't feel it or he doesn't, uh, you know, like he basically told Mitch, and what happened with Purcell, some people don't know this, is he, he pulled all his tear off. He reached up to grab one and threw them all off. Okay. So he didn't have tear-offs for most of that second moto, and so he actually had to back off Dean uh-huh. as far as he could because he had guys coming up behind him. Uh, Will Hahn, my guy, actually, for one. Yep. So he couldn't drop too far back, but he was trying to keep clear goggles, and he just told Mitch, he goes, Dean was going fast, and I couldn't sit on his wheel because I'd get muddy, so he goes, I just dropped back for a while and figured I'd try to get him later in the moto when he was getting tired. So he's one of those guys who, you know, he could have gone up and forced the issue and kind of been stubborn and stupid about it but he's just like well no i don't have any tear-offs so i gotta sit back here and just be patient yep. and you know effectively he could have maybe gone up and tried to do something stupid and crashed again and and lost more points but he's he's really patient that way and and um you know again mitch was comparing him to bale where bale one time had let bradshaw catch you know bradshaw was catching bale so bale slowed way down let bradshaw go by followed him for a while figured out the lines he was taking and then passed him with you know five minutes to go and beat him <laughs> and um that's that's the kind of thing that's the kind of guy Purcell. he's just really smart he never gets in a panic or just reacts emotionally you know he's just really smart on the bike so i don't think uh you saw the very best of sebastian or christoph Purcell this last weekend for sure but that said uh eli's times were right there and so it's true it's, he's not going to make it easy if he keeps riding like that yeah, Bailey and I have over have worn out the term the crafty Frenchman on the TV shows. But there's a reason we say that. It's not just crafty Frenchman because it sounds funny. It's 
it does seem like so many times they've got him beat. They've got him beat. It's, it, he doesn't have it, this moto. And then next thing you know, he just puts something together, and he's got himself a win. Even that second moto, he passed Searle with a half a lap to go after he fell. I mean, it looked for a while that he wasn't going to get him. And the next thing you know, he passed him, and he was gone by the time he got to the finish line. Just yeah. he knew what he needed to do. And Searle rode, just as uh, Tomac wasn't taking no for an answer, Searle wasn't giving it to him. I mean, he must have used a lot of energy in that first moto. Yeah, he sure did. Um, Second moto, he uh, crashed out and hurt his shoulder again. They're telling me Sir won't race this weekend at the GP, and I hope he's back ready for Texas because it looked like he was ready to go. He was definitely riding well. Um, Yeah, I know he's been doing rehab all week. I've kind of heard from his trainer. Uh, He works with the same guy ours do, uh, Charles Dow, and he just said he's rehabbing it and working on it. That's kind of his focus for the week. So it seems like it's maybe not not a season-ender, but it's definitely not – um, I'm definitely going to nag at him a little bit here. Dean Wilson, I thought, rode really well. He fell in the first moto. If he hadn't done that, uh, he could have been right where he was in the second moto, which is right around a podium spot. I mean, he keeps getting overshadowed by other rookies that are winning, but I thought it was pretty good. That was his first national, too. No, he's Dean's had a great year. You know, I mean, yeah, he, he hasn't uh, had the win yet, but it's coming for him. You know, he's you got to remember, he's a rookie, too. So Right. Um, he's learning at all these rounds, and I think he's just going to get better and better too. He he, he put in a great weekend. And the last thing I don't know if you caught. Did you catch the jump that Purcell and Wilson and Reed were doing coming down that last hill? No. I don't know if they showed on the broadcast. Okay. You can catch it anywhere. There was a, an option line where you could go inside or outside, and it was a double double. Whether you went inside or outside, they were just offset. Mm-hmm. And those three riders were the only guys all day to go from the inside and triple to the outside. And you had to cross over these bumps and ruts, and it, if you came up short you were going off the track i mean it was really really technical and sketchy and uh dean caught on to purcell doing it and started knocking it out and those those two were the only lights guys that did it all day and they did it the entire second moto wow really really cool to watch you know emig had mentioned that that he had seen reed do that um but though at the time we saw reed finally come to the pack he wasn't doing it any longer so that's yeah he said tripling in i see what was the deal with the goggles it sounded like about half a dozen guys pulled all their tear-offs. Josh Grant said he did in the first moto. I have a picture of Kyle Regal with all his tear-offs flapping in the wind. What? Did people forget well, how to put tear-offs on? No, no, no. <laughs> What's happened with the whole tear-off thing? It happened to my guy, Seely, at uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gone to laminate tear-offs now yes. because you can put more on. You don't get that space in between so it doesn't look all warped and distorted. Yeah. That's terrific. Now, you can put on 14 or 21 tear-offs even, mm-hmm. um, which gives you that many chances of clear vision, but if you get if you get you know impatient, you just reach up and grab real quick. One or two things happen. It's real easy to grab instead of just one because they're super thin. You grab you know the whole stack and shoop, they're gone. Right. Uh, or like what was happening, what's happened to some other riders is if you reach up and even if you just grab that one, but you pull it at a downward angle instead of straight across, you'll tear them. And so then you've got to. Then you don't have anything popping up, and then sometimes you just have to throw them off to get clear vision, all your tariffs. So with these new laminated tariffs, you've got to be very deliberate and careful as you pull each one off. You know, you can imagine if you're jumping down a hill or, you know, usually the guys will grab them when they jump something. Right. <laughs> you're pretty frantic. You know, you reach up quick and you, you pull it, but you've got to be more patient. Even if you're coming into a turn, find a section with no bumps or ruts and, and slowly make sure you get it because... Um, boy, the the downside to you know pulling all your tear offs off is is big. 
Yeah, and everybody does it, I'm sure, at the beginning of the moto, because they're probably going to pull the tear off somewhere during the first lap, right? Yeah, well, and, and, and that's the other problem, is if you're in the opening lap, it's super muddy like it was, and your goggles just get boogered. I mean, you can't see a thing. Yes. So you, yeah, you're real frantic to reach up and pull something off so you can see where you're going. Again. Right. And sometimes that's, that's why it happens early in the moto, because the guys will just reach up real quick and yank, and sometimes they've just yanked off 14 tear off. So it doesn't stick out just one, or is it that it's so thin it's not as easily, like with a regular plastic type tear off, you can kind of feel just one. You can kind of feel it, yeah, exactly. And these ones are thin, so you can't really feel, or mm-hmm. or you know, you you just go in a little too close to the goggles, so you grab where they're looped over and just oh uh, okay, oof, they're all gone. Wow. Well, that explains that. I was going to blame the goggle guys, so they're yeah. I don't, I don't know technology. what the solution is to that because putting on the old style tear off, you can only do three, four, five, and then it starts to get like you're looking through the bottom of a Coke bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so so the laminate ones are good. They just, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. If, I don't know what the solution is, but it's definitely become a problem because it happens pretty regularly. I know even uh, in the mud races now, it's like the death of the roll-offs. You can fit enough tear-offs on that there hardly anyone goes at roll-offs anymore, right? Yeah. Now roll-offs get heavy, and you only get that one little strip. It's, yep. You know, unless it's pouring down rain, uh, my guys don't want to run roll-offs. Yeah, I, I think the roll-offs day might have come and gone. Uh, let's call up Villapoto. He was actually there, and he said he's going to come to a bunch of races this year. That's that's pretty neat. That's yeah. Cool. All right, we have uh, Ryan Villapoto here who is on the spin bike at Physical Therapy. Are you going to be getting out of breath during this uh, during this interview? Maybe. <laughs> I haven't been doing much lately. <laughs> what is the progress here? Is this some of the first movement you're able to get in the leg? Is this early in the process? Yeah, definitely early. But I think uh, I went up yesterday, had the last um, stitches taken out of it, and uh, he said I can start walking in seven weeks and then riding in a month after that. So should be riding like August time. Wow! Did you expect Ryan? That? I heard I heard you actually had to have two different surgeries on that. Is that true or no? Yeah, I had a surgery in St. Louis, a surgery in Seattle, and then I had to wait a week before they did the next surgery. So three total. Jeez. Man, is August actually good news then? Did you yeah. think it might be even longer before you got on a bike? No, he told me originally five months. Oh, ouch! Um, so the stitches are out, so you won't look quite as uh, Frankenstein at the next time you're at a race because yeah. that looked pretty bad, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what'd you think of the weekend? Uh, first of all, why'd you even go to Hangtown? Was it just as a fan, or did you have some sponsor stuff? What made you go there, and then was it was it good racing for what you could see? Uh, no, you know, I don't know, we just wanted to go. It was a close round that we could just drive to, well, somewhat close, it's eight hours, but... Yep. Um, so we just decided to go on the motorhome. I, I wasn't doing nothing, and... Uh, <laughs> That's kind of just why we went, just to go up and check it out and see what was going on. What 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 did you uh, what stood out in your mind from the weekend, Ryan? Good or bad? Uh, well, I mean, Eli Tomac, for sure. I mean, definitely riding really well, fast. Um, nobody, I don't think, expected that out of him. But I do, on on respect of everybody else, everybody else will ride Supercross all year. So you know, I don't think. Um, it'll be so much like that throughout the rest of the year. I think, you know, other guys will start, you know, getting better and turning it off. How much of a difference does that make? You've always, when you raced outdoors, you always came in from Supercross. I mean, was there a certain, you know, four or five rounds in where it actually, 
the bike started well, and things like that. Look at Barsha. He came. Look at Barsha. He came in last year. Yep. Just on fire, like yep. ripping, and then now you know, like he's just like another guy in the pack because he's been riding Supercross all year. Good point. Good point. Um, did you hear anything about uh, Tomac coming in? As in, like this kid's really going for it. Who knows? Uh, I mean, what did you? No, actually, was the buzz? pretty quiet. Didn't didn't hear a whole lot. I actually kind of forgot he was riding for uh, for Geico. Right. You know, you know, I think those those guys kind of do that. Um, they're not real high profile, a lot of hype type of people. They kind of put their heads down, do their work, and um, fly under the radar a little bit, which uh, to me is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, and they don't hire like like they hired Eli, and like it's not like I don't know. It just seemed like there wasn't a whole lot, you know, talked about him in amateur stuff. So. He kind of came like flying under the radar too, like on that on that side of it. Because I, mean, I didn't really hear a whole lot about amateur stuff. And then if he did win amateur stuff, like really all the fast guys had already left, you know. So kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, he won, but there's nobody there. Right. Right. But. Um, now, what about uh, Mitch's guys? Did you get a chance to talk to Mitch? Uh, they're always expected to win right off the bat, and Porcel came close. But um, what do you think of the riding you saw from Weimer and Porcel and Wilson, Rattray, guys like that? Uh, I think I think they all rode pretty well. I, I mean, I can just go, all I can do is go off of the way I feel every time I race Hangtown, and it's definitely one of the hardest races of the year. And it's, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a hard race to totally judge. Uh huh. Um, all the riders off of. Yeah, Ping and I were kind of getting at that. I know a lot of guys had bad starts and couldn't move up, and fans might think that's just an excuse. Oh, you, mean, you, mean, you mean like the Supercross champ, Ryan does? <laughs> exactly. So ten, some guys ten are... 10-7? Gonna... <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Hey, now you guys are getting along real well <laughs> midway through the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, are yeah. you wanting to see things turn around a little bit now on him? I don't. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I don't. I don't. Really, I don't really care for him that much. <laughs> there, there's the angst that we were waiting to see in like Toronto and Jacksonville and stuff. I was waiting for this. To happen. Well, like I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like I, I think up until St. Louis, like I mean, yeah, I got hurt, and, and he won for sure. That's that's the bottom line. Is he's won with the plate and, and, and that whole deal? But I mean, and I can say what I believe, and and everybody can take that. And, and you'd be like, yeah, right, or whatever, if they can believe it or not. But I truly believe that I had him, had him beat. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want Upstairs you to go all. Uh, we don't want you to go all Alessi in the press conference here and talk about demolishing people now. Are, are you doing? A, are you doing like 120 RPMs on the spin bike right now? Like since we started talking about Dungey, uh, start picking up your pace. Uh, I've burned 46 calories. RPM 74. Oh, did you hear about the Alessi deal? By the way. I, I heard it. I heard it was pretty sweet. Well, I heard the, pre, the like pre-conference or whatever was like pretty cool too. And then uh, I guess he was like up there. I don't. Did you guys see my Twitter? No, I don't know why. I don't know why I missed that. After the race? Yeah, after the race, I because I heard about it and I asked Chad and I was like, hey, I heard I heard the Navy SEAL won. <laughs> and then he said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, yeah, smart kid. And then uh, it just kind of went back and forth a little bit. It was just pretty funny. I heard what he supposedly said, just blue sand in all the competitors' face with a 4-1. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, 
from your perspective, how how important is it to not do stuff like that? Like you said, it's a tough track to really gauge things on, and it's the first race of the year, so try not to read into it too much. Is that what you're saying? Is probably the the smarter way to approach it? Well, I think I think us for like Chad, um, all the front runner guys that you know that are going to be front front runners regardless. I think I think they're going to get better. I think Hank Town's just a it's just a period, just a hard track to ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for like Tomac, I think, and like all the lights guys, I think Tomac came in definitely more ready than any of the other guys. And I think the other guys are going to get better, but he's definitely going to be a guy that's up front regardless of what track it is. But I do, what about, I do believe. What about some of the guys who, who uh, also didn't do well, like not only Dungey but Shorty and Xen, both of, both of oh, the Moss yeah. brothers who didn't score points, Nick Way, Hamlin. Did some of that surprise you? Um, some of those names didn't. Some of them did. I don't know. I'm not like I, I'm not gonna go off of off of that race. Makes sense. What, what about Ken DeDiker? Was he like twice as tall and? Big and massive as you thought he'd be, because I kept he'd come by. I'd like yeah. to stand back a little bit. Yeah, that gnarly. Yeah, dude, I saw him do a start in practice, and he had both heels on the ground. That's a. <laughs> sure. I, I just want to put a flannel on him, and like he would just look like a lumberjack out there destroying things. I, I would love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what what do you think the situation was there with uh, Dungey? I, I know that you might have thought you had him covered in Supercross, but I don't think that would still be second place for him. He was tenth and sixth. Was the track that hard to pass on, or or is it the Supercross? I, 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 okay, well, what did, hey, uh, the only question I need to ask is what did Chad start the second? I didn't watch the second part of any moto, but he started like fifteenth, right? I heard. Well, there was yeah, actually was, halfway through. Down. Halfway through, Dungey was right behind him. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, he got third. There you go. That's your answer. All right. And I know Chad's like, I know Chad like he takes his time. You know, like I guess the only way I can look at it is like, like my ride style against Chad's. Like I'm all over the place trying to pass people like anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Chad's more like precise. And yeah, I guess that's basically what it is. Ten, ten six or ten seven, whatever it was. Not very, not very stellar on the weekend. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, what did you know of uh, Reed going into this? A lot of people on the outside were like, "Man, I don't know, he's struggling in Supercross." But you were testing outdoors with him, you know, around Daytona time and stuff like that. Um, did you expect him to come in and win right off the bat? Um, I knew he would be good. I think um, with him taking, like, you know, being hurt Supercross, I think he's uh, his fire that he had when he came into Supercross. He still has because he hadn't raced. And uh, we have a really good bike, and I think it's just—I don't know—I think it's not going to be easy for him. But um, main—I think main thing is he hadn't raced all Supercross season, and he's got—you know—he's got a race. Yeah. Hey, what what 450 guys are going to win races this year, in your opinion? I think well, obviously Chad, um, Alessi. Um, I I don't know about Dungey after after Hangtown. Um, I think short can be good, but to win, to actually do a win, you know, win, to, to win a moto might be uh, something different, but to win it overall, it's pretty hard in the outdoors. It's hard to say. So you're thinking only three guys? Yeah, I think there's about three guys. What about Josh Grant? Where is he on the list? I think he'll get it overall. I think he'll get it overall before the season's over, yeah. 
What about Townley? I, I, honestly, I race Ben, and I, I hope he wins the championship and wins races. That's, I mean, he's my guy that, that I'll stand behind um, through the whole season. So he's so, a good dude, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, we need to get this. We need to get him a little, get him in shape a little bit. <laughs> yep. But I know, but I, but I know he's only been riding like three weeks or something, something like that. Yep. So, so yeah, he's, got, he's, got his, he's working on it. He needs to be on the spin bike right now. Well, on road good though, huh? Yeah, well, for a guy who who's been notoriously a crappy starter, um, he's definitely turned a corner. Whole shot the last two Supercross races he did, and is that, both of is the that second motos this weekend. Hey, so. is that because of you? No, you know we had Jeremy come down and work with him actually. Because um, kind of the way I, I always started one foot up, rider. I don't, I, and I, he didn't want to kind of try to do that. He felt weird doing it, so just kind of the way yeah, we did it was different. So I had Jeremy work with him a bit, and I, maybe it was just Jeremy telling him the same things he already knew. But we definitely worked on it a lot, and he turned it around. Well, he's definitely gonna have more people looking at him. That's for sure. Yep. Hey, oh, what he, did he, say? he works hard. Huh? I was going to say, Ping, what did he say about that, uh, well, being out front both times? What was the reaction when the red flag came? Oh, well, I tell you what. You didn't want to be on the radio when they I threw that red flag because I was cussing like a sailor. I was so pissed off. I I was ready to go punch somebody, and I'm sure Will was, too. There's nothing worse than, like, getting hey, a whole shot at hey, a national hey, uh, and having a red flag. Huh? Whole, sh- whole shot at Daytona and then red flag and then whole shot again. You did? Yeah. That's yeah. true. Well, so how mad were you when they threw that red flag? Oh, I was pissed. For sure. <laughs> so anyway, it was like I was super mad, and I'm was too, and then when he got to the second one, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was so happy. I probably made an ass of myself. I'm up on the hill dancing around. Coster's all next to me, all, you know, stiff and looking <laughs> at me. Whatever. Uh, what did Will say about being, you know, running that pace early on? Um, like you said, he's been a horrible starter. So now he's got the whole shot, yeah. and it's first race. Everybody's going nuts. What was that like? Yeah, he's still getting used to that. You know, he's he's only run up front a handful of times, and it takes some getting used to. You know, but I, I think it was really good for him just to see that. Like he sat on the back wheel of Purcell. He led for two laps, and then kind of had a little train of guys go by him, and then he sat on Purcell's wheel the whole moto. So he knows he can go that pace now, and I think that'll help him kind of going forward from here. Nice. Um, hey, I know we were having some fun with Alessi before there, uh, Ryan, but what uh, what is the deal with the 350? What do you think? I mean, you ride a 450. You've ridden a 250. I don't. What do you think? I don't know. I think his best, I think his best shot at, like, being the best that he could be on it was at Hangtown because it's, like, super, you know, it's choppy. You know, it's choppy. It's, like, you never, you're never hitting a bump square. Like, the bike's always trying to shoot out from underneath you. You just get so, like noodle arms and, and yep. just like like so so different than any other na- outdoor national that's the way i think of it as it's just so different and i think well and you know, yeah you know I, I did the media day race on friday and i came in i told my guys i'm all i only got into third gear on a 450 three times never touched fourth gear you know and, and only three times did i get into third so that's that's pretty dang tight that's not normal 
You know, a lot most national tracks you'd be in third a lot. Yeah, and fourth and whatever. Or fourth, yeah, I mean, you know. I think with a deep start and, you know, a deep track, I don't think it's going to be that stellar. But we'll see. I see. So I think he's going to be, I think it's going to be a little just underpowered for outdoors. Yeah, you know, people on the outside are all saying, dude, the two strokes were awesome and the 450s have ruined racing. Okay, at your level, you're using what your 450 has. You're, You're not afraid to use the power that a 450 has on an outdoor track. You're using everything you've got. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I mean, there's, uh, I think so. If we were to bring two strokes back, though, let's do it. Let's just bring them, like, you know, let's keep 250S for the life class and try to do two strokes for the, for the 450 class or whatever. <laughs> I mean, just, like, they just got to make their mind up, you know? I don't think hey, you got a new two-stroke, didn't you, recently? I think I saw a photo of it somewhere. Yeah, I saw you Twittered that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of Stewie's old, old, old bikes. Did you ever get on it? No, because I just picked it up, like, when I came back from Seattle, and I was, I'm hurt. Ah, uh, I didn't realize you got it that late. Um, but I started it up, and it sounds good, and it smells, smells amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my question is not, uh, you know, should they bring back two-strokes, but... People are saying all oh, 450s are practically like the old 500s, which hardly anyone could even race or ride. They're so powerful. And that's why a 350 might be the way to go. But, okay, you're the one that's out there winning the races on a 450. Do you actually feel like, man, this is a handful, or is it the right bike? Is it I think, the I, ideal? I think right on, like, just like, like Hangtown, yeah, 450 is like a handful. Uh-huh. So on Helen last year when I won one, that, like... Like, I don't know, it's, it's good there. Like, it's fun to ride. It, it, I don't know. I think it's... I think they're good for outdoors, for sure. There you go. There you go. Uh, anything else you got there for Ryan Ping? No, just, uh, man, hurry up and get Ping, better. Ping made the, like, the... What was that, what was that deal that I texted you or I called? I called you and you, and you didn't want to answer me because I was going to read you. <laughs> No, you know what? I didn't mean for that to come off the way it did, like if you got bummed, because someone wrote into my column saying that when Ryan Ryan was signing autographs and this lady came through, this is what she said, this is not my words, she came through the autograph line and he went to hand her a poster and she kind of said like, no, like she was waving him off and before she could explain that she already had one she had gotten earlier, Ryan told her to F off. I never have ever said that to a fan. (laughs) So, like, I mean, I can't imagine that, like, that's, I said, probably either she heard wrong or just something, I don't know, but, you know, if someone, if if Ryan didn't know that, I don't know, if I'm sitting there signing autographs and some lady comes through and goes, nah, you know, I don't want one of your posts, I'd be like, I'd want to say that. So anyway, that, it wasn't even the whole point of it, but I kind of skipped over it in my thing, and it made it, maybe it made you bummed out. Like I thought you'd really say that, but I don't think you'd really. Yeah, he made it. He basically said, but basically what it looked like when I read it is he's like, yeah, I can see the post saying "f you." But that wasn't even the point of the question. I was just trying to get on to the. Oh, because the other part was Mitch, she said, "Mitch," she was asking like, "What's up with these pro circuit guys? They're all jerks because Villapola told me to f off when I." didn't want a poster and then Mitch she was sitting in a stand and Mitch turned and and rolled over her foot (laughs) oh come on that's not a true story and then Mitch Mitch doesn't say anything like uh, and she told me she's got big feet (laughs) and I'm thinking man if she's got a big old foot 
he's going to notice that he rolled over it, and he would have said something. So that's, like, where I was going. I just kind of skipped over the part about Ryan. And that's even if Mitch is, and that's even if Mitch is like, out in, like, in the, in the public, which it never, never is. Right. Very rarely. Right, right, right. Anyway, I didn't mean to rat ball you. Ryan, here, I'll put this on the air right now. Ryan Villapoto will not use the F word in any way, shape, or form while he's signing autographs. I can almost guarantee it, so. Wow. Hey, the gauntlet's been thrown down, folks. See if you can get it out of him. <laughs> See if you can make him. Just to prove Pink. You know, you might if you go up and go, hey, Ryan Dungey and Michael S. You're my favorite riders. I don't want one of your posters. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Then maybe. I just tell him, good, go over there and stand in line and get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it cannot be rattled. Darn it. Darn it. All right, uh, you still on the spin bike here? How many calories are you up to? Uh, now I'm actually like trying to build my calf muscle up because it's like uh, my leg is like three inches around. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's not impressing anybody. <laughs> that's not impressing. No, it's not. No. Um, all right, so we uh, we actually outlasted we outlasted the spin bike training, or had you already started before we called you? I, I just started when you called me. So. All right. We had the endurance, man. We went the distance. Right. Thanks for the help, man. You coming to more races this year? That's what I've heard. Yeah, I'll be there. Just um, I don't know exactly which ones and uh, how soon, because I want to be off crutches before I go. And even though you're back on a bike in August, is there any time frame for actually racing? I don't know. Maybe I'll do a 1-1 one -one at Paula. Not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the time, bud. See you, Ryan. Alright, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, that was uh Ryan Villapoto. Wow, um I thought we'd get some analysis. I didn't know we'd get some digs in another riders. That was a bonus. <laughs> Ryan's not Ryan's not afraid to tell you what he thinks about a guy. No, no doubt about it. And I kinda knew But but, yeah, but yeah. he will not use no. the F word at you in <laughs> while he's signing autographs. No. And if Mitch wanted to learn how to set those bikes up for the choppy terrain in Hangtown, he should have just done some testing over the foot of that woman. Yeah, just find that lady's big foot and have those guys hit it over and over. <laughs> uh, hey, in Supercross, we were waiting for the angst between the Rhines. Uh, it was so boring. They were just being nice to each other. No one was saying anything. So I guess it was actually about to get going. So I guess well, save it for next year. Yeah, I think everybody, you know, they start out cool until it's coming down to every point counts and the championships on the line and then then they will tell each other to f off yes yeah they're not fans anymore well hey i bet you reed and stewart if they bump into each other now it might be a little tense but nothing like it would have been a year ago at this time that's just the way it goes yeah yeah they're still not sending each other christmas cards i'm sure no no but they did they did the, the twitter is actually that is the peacemaker between all oh the yeah writers. Yeah, uh, when the rumors of the riders' union or the safety committee, whatever you want to call it, came out, they actually even Twittered back and forth, which was a true... I mean, you want to talk about this thing has some legs. If it mends fences between those two... Well, maybe Chad will go down and be on an episode of Bubba's World. <laughs> oh, what do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. It depends on if it's in the script or not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know if I should say that. You know, something we didn't talk about yet is the, the WMX stuff. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, you actually have a, I don't know, can I use this term? You have a dog in the fight now. You got a rider in there. Let's say a horse in the race. Yeah, because if we, it's a dog and it's a female class, mm -hmm. that's bad news. Bad news. Yeah, yeah. So you have a racer in, in that class with, uh, with Tara Geiger, and um, she was right there in the mix, the first moto. 
Yep, she was uh, actually a little off the pace all, all, all day of the leaders, which was surprising. Uh, she ended up third overall, but she was a bit off the pace uh, for Patterson. She was like three seconds a lap. Her quickest lap was slower than, than Patterson. So it was bizarre because in, in sort of preseason stuff, we'd see all those girls together out at Glen Helen and some different places, and uh, Ashley and Tara were were much quicker than, than uh, Patterson was. And they were real similar in speed, but um, Patterson seemed like with just a week before Hangtown, she was struggling, searching for some speed. But I'll tell you, at Hangtown, she laid, can I say laid wood down on those guys? I don't know. I don't know. She beat those guys soundly. I don't know if you can say she those beat girls. those guys. Can I say guys? Yeah, you can't oh, say guys. throwing me out. No, I don't yeah. even know what to say right now. Okay, and I don't know. She, can she lay wood on the gals? I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> this is difficult. <laughs> We need new. We need new verbiage. I, I don't know. <laughs> she beat. I'm not used to watching women's racing. She. <laughs> she was victorious yes. in her, against her competitors. She won both motos in the races. Um, yeah, but yeah, by a long, it wasn't even close. I mean, she really did. Like, it was. It was a a, a sound victory. So it'll be you know, and, and that track was really really rough. Ashley and Tara obviously a little smaller, skinnier than. You know, weaker than I don't know. I, gosh, I'm 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 backpedaling now. What, what do I say here? No, you actually uh, you didn't backpedal. You forward pedal. You went straight up to weaker <laughs> by the end of it. You actually went. All I'm saying is Patterson seems like she trains real hard and she's strong. Mm-hmm. So maybe she was able to get through those bumps better. I don't know. We'll see when we go to Texas. I'm anxious to see what happens with those girls. I think it could. Uh, I think there'll be some real good racing. Uh, even though up there. It was the Jessica Patterson show. I think a lot of people that maybe pay attention to who wins but maybe don't watch the, the motos all the time might think that, you know, Filek is the Carmichael or Stewart of the women's class and she just goes out there and dominates. But there have been battles the two other years that she's been in there, 08 and 09. And speed-wise, it would be tough to pick between her and Patterson. They have had races where Patterson is right behind her or they're very close most of the time. The difference usually is... Patterson has made some mistakes at the wrong times, but hmm. it's not like Filek had been winning every moto by a minute, and then all of a sudden here at Hangtown, uh, it turned around. I mean, they've been close for the last couple of years. It has been close, and it just seems like this weekend, even though it was not what we saw in preseason testing, she just she had those guys, those gals covered. There you go. And uh, this was not a covert operation. Patterson was not purposely going slow when she was at the same track as the other riders to test. You know, it didn't seem like it. Her boyfriend, Eddie Ray, kind of came up to our, one of our mechanics and was all bummed. Man, we got to find some speed. Like, he was genuinely kind of, you know, troubled by it all. So, anyway, I think it was kind of surprising. Um, the other news on the weekend, a couple of things, like uh, that Sherry Cruz gal, who's one of the top riders, she had a pretty nasty fall. And, yes. um I guess they thought her arm was broken. It, it's not. I guess I saw an update on RacerX's website here um, that it's not broken. She'll be okay, probably back in Texas. And the other surprise, I think, was Sarah Price, who's hitting out of the factory Kawasaki rig. Um, she had a, a pretty bad press day accident. They didn't tell her about the big drop-offs they had out there, and she tried yes. to roll off one and crashed. Um, she had a rough day, too. Crashed in the second moto, second or third turn, actually took Geiger out. Uh, in the process, but she had a rough day. I think she's going to have better finishes too here as she gets uh, uh, sort of shakes the cobwebs off from that crash. 
gets going into the season. So there could be some good racing still coming with those ladies. You know, this is like a recurring theme. If we look at uh, what, what you've said and what Ryan has said and uh, what some of the riders said themselves, Hangtown is a tough track to judge things by. And uh, Ryan pointed out how much of a difference there is in skipping Supercross and getting focused on outdoors early. You know, he said that about Barsha last year and Tomac this year. That pretty much means that it's almost like we're going in a round one again. <laughs> going to the Texas. Well, Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's... It's um, there definitely is an advantage, you know. Look at the two guys who won; they've had extra time to prepare for Hangtown. Yes. For the start of this series, you know, they weren't racing Supercross. Um, I've always thought that riding the West Coast Lights class also gave you an advantage because you have that two-month break to get a bunch of your your base fitness done, your testing done, um, you know, and then and then you obviously jump into three more Supercrosses, but you're already kind of ready to go outdoors. Where those guys in the East. They get two and a half weeks or whatever it is, and it's time to go racing. That's it. Yeah, no one's doing outdoor testing in January, are they? Well, no. I mean, it's <laughs> just everyone's focused on Supercross, so. Right, right. So, yeah, we can't read too much into it. There's guys that uh, came in maybe a little underprepared, but they'll get it figured out as they get more outdoor time. Or maybe, like you said and Ryan said, just changing the track itself. Um, the weather, I'm sure, will be a lot different. It was downright chilly at times in Hangtown, and I guarantee you it won't be in Texas. I wish it would be. <laughs> but, no, it won't. You might need to put the skirt back on, just to get through it. Skirt would feel so good. If I wouldn't get publicly humiliated, I would wear it again. It was fantastic in that hot weather. <laughs> it's breezy. Um, Alright, good. And uh, your plans, Ben Townley is racing uh, this weekend at Glen Helen, right? Just racing himself back into shape? Yeah, that's that's kind of the plan. We went round and round on whether we should just do some practice modes and leave that alone or what we should do. but um, at the end of the day we he wants to get some gate drops and some actual racing so um, yeah we're going going racing I, I, I saw this week for the first time I've never seen Muskin ride or uh, Caroli I've never seen them ride in person and they were both out of Paris all the KTM guys and um, it's interesting I actually was in the mall with my wife and kids last Sunday and Stefan Everts comes walking up, stands beside me, looks at me, smiling. I'm like, what? Wow. What are you doing here? So it's weird to see all these uh, Euros kind of settling into the Temecula area. Wow. And do you, know, you know what Everts asked me? What's that? Hey, do uh, you know I can find a record store? No. <laughs> yeah, 1982. <laughs> Head back that way. You know, I think, didn't he have, or is that Gabor's? Didn't he have an album? He did. He yeah, had an he album. A, That's what he it was. He was a techno DJ. Yes. And it was on vinyl, I think. Yeah, you're probably right. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. They don't have that here. It's... 1992. I remember him at Anaheim. I told him this. I remember you racing Anaheim in some weird Biafi gear. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had, yeah, he had like big DJ headphones on in between motos and his Suzuki box van. Just, I don't know, whatever he was doing. Wow. Wow. Cutting. He was cutting de- and mixing. I guess so. Tracking. He DJ at the races, I didn't realize. Yeah, well. Um, that's funny. Hey, what did it look like watching uh, Caroli and uh, Musquin ride? Uh, if you can Caroli take looked a little kind of squirrely, but they had just flown in the day before. I mean, this right. was yesterday at Paris, and they had just flown in the day before. So, I mean, I, I was surprised to even see him on a bike yet, but uh, Musquin is fast. Hmm. Yeah, that kid is, he's for real. He's going to be, like, legit title, title contender both series straight away next year 
Yeah, and that lights class or the 250 class, depending on what sport you're racing, is going to have a lot of guys leaving. So it's a good opportunity. KTM, in about one month, has gone from, are they even going to stay in business, to they mean business. In yeah. about one month, they've turned things around quick because they, they came close to winning motos in both classes um, over the weekend. And, yeah, then you got Musquin coming in, and things are looking up for the orange guys. Yeah, they really are. And I don't know if you saw their pit area over the weekend, but they've step on said they made every effort to have their setup over here look exactly like what they use in Europe. You know, they've got this clipped-together flooring and these little backdrops that cover the truck. It looked and, uh, great. It, yeah. Yeah, they, even, the, even the big, massive pit cart that they use uh, where the, the mechanic's toolbox is and parts and wheels, they shipped that over from Europe. So they have the exact same things here as they do there. Wow. So they're, they're making an effort. I, I mean, uh, they, they've kind of... It's like they made a big push back in, you know, early 2000, 2001, and then it seems like it sort of went the wrong way, and, uh, man, I'll tell you, 2011 could be a big year for those guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but first, we'll get through 2010, round one, part two in Texas. Cause that's right. I don't know how much we learned from Hangtown. That's that's the one thing we've learned. We didn't learn anything. There you go. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. That's right. Yeah, well, that, that's what you're literally probably doing right now. You're drawing out sketches, how to win in Texas. Get back on it. <laughs> All right. All right, thanks for the time, man, as always. And um, we'll come up with a real topic with educational value at our next show, folks. So just send me an email, jasonw at racerxonline.com, and uh, Peng and I will get to the bottom of whatever question you can't answer yourself. I have a suggestion. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this out there. All right. What? to say and what not to say at a post-race press conference there put it out there maybe that's our topic next week maybe not i think it'll be our job will be easy i believe i know where i can get the audio clips <laughs> the interviews have been done <laughs> all right thanks ping you bet all right that's it for the race rex podcast this week have fun this weekend if you're going to glenn helen's usgp Maybe we'll catch you in Texas or somewhere down the road at the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championship. Or maybe you're listening to this podcast five months after it took place and you're saying, Hangtown, what's the big deal about Hangtown? The racing is already over. Well, hey, we told you to subscribe. And we also said that what happens at Hangtown might not necessarily happen throughout the rest of the season. So if anything changes, that means we're geniuses. I like how we got ourselves a little out on that one. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Racer X Podcast.